missed fall enrollment? It's your time to shine at William Peace University. WPU is enrolling for the spring semester at our co-ed university in the heart of Raleigh. We offer more than 30 majors, including esports and gaming administration, simulation and game design, and interactive design. Our classes are taught by full professors, and our small class size means you get one-on-one instruction and immersive learning. Plus, we connect students with internships. William Peace University, your time to shine. Get started today at peace.edu. Lorenz with a quick snapshot. Saros can't handle it. Loose change out in front. Kane's whack at it. Still up. Still up. It's the loose change in Carolina with the answer. We're tied at one. Ronson settle it down. Quickly plays it around. Reith and Bear. Official gets in the way, but Lorenz is able to bump the puck free. Now Cole has it for Carolina. Cross ice pass for the Hurricanes. Boston! Jesper Foss streaks down the wing. And beats Saros up high, and Carolina ties it with 6.38 to go here in the third period. Two and a half minutes to go here in this overtime. All right, I'll say it. If all overtimes are this good, I'm for them every night. Now Nashville, it's Forsberg into the Kane zone. Back on the return feed, but it'll be Ronta who handles that. Trying to set it up front for Tomasino, and he scores! And that's how this one will end. Philip Tomasino on the doorstep takes the feed from Forsberg, beats Ronta, and the Predators will end up beating the Canes here in overtime 3-2. This is the Canes Corner Podcast with host Adam Gold. Presented by the Aluminum Company of North Carolina. The Canes Corner Podcast is part of the Capital Broadcasting Podcast Network. Now, here's your host, Adam Gold. I am Adam Gold. Thank you very much for joining us. And no, this is not the morning after podcast, although it is the morning after the Hurricanes 3-2 overtime loss to the Nashville Predators. Philip Tomasino ending it in overtime. Little, I guess, uh, confusion behind the goal. Uh, Jacob Slavin was there. Nino Niederreiter was there. But so was Philip Forsberg and Philip Tomasino. Two Phillips better than a Nino and a Jacob. Uh, Auntie Ranta uh, could not help it, and it was a 3-2 final score. Carolina now 1-1-1 in the preseason. The preseason finale comes Saturday, 4 o'clock in Nashville, and then it is the uh, the wait until the following Thursday, October 14th, when the Hurricanes will host the New York Islanders to open the start of the season. First, we're brought to you by the Aluminum Company of North Carolina. If it's for the exterior of your home, you'll find it at the Aluminum Company of North Carolina on Hamlin Road in Durham, aluminumcompany.com. Online, you can get a free no-obligation estimate there, but nobody does better work than they do at the Aluminum Company, whether it's roofing or siding or windows. They've got it all. Go check out what Sammy Hanna and crew have in store for your home. They do a great job. They really do. Uh, We're not really doing a morning after podcast again, although it is the morning after the Canes loss. um, We are going to talk to Shane Willis less about the game and more about certain players who played in the game and then an over just get his overall impressions on this team versus last year's team. Uh, and then our old friend John Forslund's going to drop by. I'll spend a few minutes with him. So uh, he is now the voice of the Seattle Kraken. Uh, they just uh, they finished up their preseason 
uh, schedule tonight. Actually, uh, as we're recording this, uh, the uh, the Kraken lead it three two in the second period in Vancouver. And I can just tell you that Morgan Geeky has two assists, both on the power play, uh, as he continues his good play in the preseason. So good for Morgan Geeky, and uh, good for the uh, for, I don't know for the Carolina Hurricanes because I think the Hurricanes were better. Uh, so a bunch. Of, let me just get a couple of things out before we talk to Shane Willis uh, about the likes of Seth Jarvis and Jack Drury and uh, Yesperi Kotkaniemi and all of that. Um, Tonight's game, I mean, it was a little sloppy early, but I thought Carolina really in the second and third periods was uh, significantly better. And I think you can see the potential. And I'm going to say it. He's not going to be with the team. Seth Jarvis is an NHL player. Flat out NHL player. I think Jack Drury is an NHL player. And I think Hurricanes fans, especially if you are uh, one who favors the prospects, and we we know there's a lot of you out there, Jack Drury, I think Jack Drury will play, uh, he'll play some games with the Carolina Hurricanes this year. I don't think there's any question about that. It's hard to go through an entire season without injury, and you have to think that they're going to dip into the AHL at least for a short period of time for somebody. And if they need a forward, I have to imagine it's going to be uh, Jack Drury, especially if it's a center. Uh, Stefan Nason's going to be a big option down there as well, but uh, Jack Drury can play in the middle, and I think he can play in the middle in the NHL today. Um, he's pre-profiles, probably no higher than a third-line center, uh, but that guy's going to be necessary in a couple of years. Jordan Stahl's not going to play forever. Uh, so uh, Drury can play, but man, Seth Jarvis, he's got it going on. I I think this kid's future is bright. Um, as Rod Brindamore said after the game, uh, he belongs in the NHL. He looks like he belongs in the NHL. And that's probably paraphrasing what Rod said, uh, but I thought Seth Jarvis was very noticeable all night long. He nearly ended the game on a pass to Andre Svechnikov, uh, on the back door in overtime, uh, one that Svech probably feels like he should have buried, uh, but you know it was a bouncing puck, uh, so I'm not going to bang him, and it's I'm not going to bang anybody because it's a preseason game, and I'm not saying nobody cares. You'd rather win than lose, uh, but that was an opportunity there that uh, Svechnikov didn't didn't finish. But I thought Jarvis played very well. He had a blocked shot. I thought he back checked well. Uh, he battled in front with Roman Yossi in the game. Uh, fun stuff. I think if you're a Hurricanes fan, and I imagine most of you are, uh, Seth Jarvis is going to be here sooner rather than later. I'm going to ask Shane Willis if uh, if you think it's worth kicking the tires on Seth Jarvis for what's the sample? Ten games. Like part of me, and I'll just I'll, I'll I'll spend thirty seconds on this. Part of me thinks, I mean, what do you ha- not? What do you have to lose? But what is it going to hurt if Seth Jarvis plays? And the other part of me says, probably not going to play a lot. And if you put him in situations that kind of high leverage situations and it doesn't work out and you lose a game because he wasn't ready for that moment 
and that game costs you down the road, it's not a great idea. But I wouldn't be surprised if Seth Jarvis hung around for 10 games, practiced with the team. I don't know, maybe got a couple of play, a couple of games here and there. But Seth Jarvis can play. He can play in this league, and he's going to play in this league for a long time. So uh, good for uh, good for the Hurricanes, good for Seth Jarvis, and I love Jack Drury as well. Uh, but we'll talk to Shane uh, Willis about Yasperi Kotkaniemi uh, and what his impressions are of him through two preseason games. Uh, also, we saw Tony D'Angelo paired with Jacob Slavin tonight. Uh, we know that Ethan Bear has been practicing with Jacob Slavin tonight. I'm not sure it matters which one plays with Jacob Slavin tonight because Slavin always makes everybody look good. Brett Pesci and uh, Brady Shea are going to be a, uh, a pair all season long, and I thought we saw a lot of good stuff from Ian Cole tonight. We saw some physicality from Ian Cole tonight. We saw the uh, the pass to Jesper Foss for the shot that went off of the stick of Roman Yossi uh, and passed UC Soros to tie the game with about six and a half left. So I thought it was a good night for Auntie Ranta. Uh, after the eight-goal onslaught, of which I think seven were his responsibility in the game in Tampa the other night, uh, last Friday night, I thought it was good to see Ronta get back on the ice, back behind an NHL team, and I think we saw really good stuff from Monty Ronta tonight. So if you were at all worried after he allowed seven goals on however many shots it was, uh, it was really good to see Ronta play as well as he did because I really don't think he had a chance on either or any of the three goals that he allowed. Um, first one really was a breakdown in the corner, but I think really more of a good play by Nashville, good aggressive play by Nashville. Uh, second one was power play deflection in front, and the third one, of course, uh, was the overtime mistake from behind the net right out in front for uh, Tomasino, uh, and that was that. Uh, if you are interested in such things as ice time, uh, Jarvis played 17:42 of the game. Uh, it was uh, some good stuff. Uh, Jarvis played uh, a ton of minutes. We saw Aho with Natchez and Svechnikov. I don't think that line was particularly uh, impactful uh, throughout the game. I thought there were some nice skating moments, but um, I thought Aho actually played a little bit of a physical game tonight, which was interesting. Uh, he delivered some uh, some hits, which was good. But I really think the uh, the noticeable line, the best line of the night, was uh, Drury, Jarvis, and Nino Niederreiter. So uh, look forward. You know, the future's bright, man. The Hurricanes have some uh, some prospects, certainly some forward prospects. Maybe not as many prospects on the back end, but it's something that they have addressed, you know, in the latter stages of the draft. And it's also something that they can address, you know, through free agency and trades and Maybe Ethan Bear is a, is going to be a piece that's going to be here for a long time. Uh, certainly young, mobile, has a little bit of an offensive upside. There was an opportunity to take a shot when he made a, and he made a pass instead. I think in the future he'll probably take that shot. He was sort of at the top. If it was a power play, you would call it the umbrella. Uh, he was uh, you know above the circles, but right in the middle of the ice. Looked like an opportunity to shoot the puck, uh, but he passed it along. Good uh, good goal from Stephen Lorenz. A good hard-working goal from him. And he's somebody that's going to have to produce a little bit this year. We're not going to go, uh, you know, through a 56-game season with just a couple of goals from Steven Lorenz. 
He's going to have to get on the score sheet a little bit, uh, but it was good to see him do that. He has worked hard. Jesper Faust continues uh, to do all of the things that a Jesper Faust does. Uh, he's just such a good hockey player. I know he's going to profile as a third or fourth line player for this team, uh, but as I always say and keep this in mind, Jesper Faust can play up. He can play in your top six because of the way he goes about his business, physically, smart, knows for the net, all of that stuff. Uh, so I wouldn't be surprised if we saw some of Jesper Faust playing in a uh, a top six role. But of course, you've got Teravine and Natchez on the right side uh, right there. But there's going to be a lot of mixing and matching and also, Rod Brindamore, the head coach, doesn't like to number his lines. So you might think that we'll just say Kotkaniemi, Stahl, Faust. You might think that's a third line. Rod might not. Rod might think it's a second line or a first line. He might list that first on the line chart. Uh, so with, uh, with all of that said, uh, we're going to talk to Shane Willis, part of the pre and post for Hurricanes broadcast on Bally's Sports South, then the one and only John Forslund. Again, this is not a morning after pod. Don't expect a ton of breakdown of the game tonight. A 3-2 Hurricanes loss in overtime, but let's move on. My man Shane Willis, Bally's Sports South. Uh, He is, of course, crack analyst, former Hurricane also, one of the great people who leads youth hockey initiatives here in North Carolina. You got my son hooked on the sport, by the way. I thought he was going to fight. I, I meant to reach out and tell you this. I thought Jack was going to get into a fight on Sunday. Oh, I'm glad he didn't. I mean, with face masks and helmets on, it doesn't do much good. <laughs> You're right. And, and the guy was at least a foot taller than him. Yeah, I mean, he knew his body realized he might be outmatched by me. He's got enough funk. He probably could have took him down. He t- he, but he was the one who stepped to him. It was really weird. I, I, I'll tell you the whole story another time. Uh, but my uh, my son might might have goon in his future. Um, I'm not really worried about the outcome of uh, really of any of these preseason games. I mean, it's nice to win. Carolina, you know, scored. Jesper Foss scored late to make it two two. They lose in overtime and a Philip Tomasino goal. Um, but overall. Those were basically two NHL teams tonight, uh, and it was it wasn't bad hockey at all, right? Yeah, no, it was a very entertaining hockey game. They were trading chances, you know, not to start the Hurricanes. Definitely want to give up one in the first shift, but I thought overall both teams played a very fast, up tempo, uh, you know, defensive minded game. But they got their chances. They traded them back and forth, and you know, the difference being an overtime goal. But the Hurricanes again showed something they showed all season last year was that the game is never over until that final buzzer goes and they were able to come back tied up in the third period before losing in overtime but as you mentioned I think another good step in the right direction for the hockey team. I want to talk about just a handful of players and uh, then we'll uh, we'll call it a night uh, and I know you're excited because uh, on the second half of this podcast uh, it's a conversation with John Forslund we all uh, we love our crew but we miss our friend John um, just because he's always so entertaining. But let me uh, let me ask you about Seth Jarvis, uh, because he was on the ice in the overtime and really created, I mean, Andrei Svechnikov gave him the cross-ice pass off the wall, uh, but he hesitated and made a really good pass to Andre on the back door that, 
for the same price, I think Svechnikov maybe uh, you know a week from now buries that, or two weeks from now buries. Um, what have you liked from what you have seen from Seth Jarvis? He's played two games, and I know he was a little dinged up at first. But what have you liked about him? Well, I think from the play you just talked about, and you go back and watch that replay over and over, and the first thing that jumps to my mind about Seth Jarvis is his hockey IQ. It's not only his skill, but the way he sees the game and can make plays at the highest pace. And that's what you want. When these guys are getting selected in the first round and high like Seth Jarvis was, that is what Darren York and his scouting staff are looking for. Where is their hockey IQ? Can they make plays? Can they hold on to pucks? And Seth Jarvis has shown that throughout training camp that he has that ability. You know, add that to his skill and his hands. Um, This young man does not look out of place going through his real first full-out training camp and exhibition season. What, what if, if, you were, uh, if you were Rod Brindamore, you're telling him, what do you need to work on? Uh, obviously, playing away from the puck is going to be the easy one uh, because all young players need to work on that. But what is it, what, what, uh, where are the improvements that need to be made in his game? Well, I think when you talk about maturity, I think that's where you're going to start with the NHL game is that defensive minded playing the right way consistently each and every night. I think that's the hardest part for any young player is that it's the same way over and over. And we'll go back and talk about the captain, Jordan Stahl, because that's who Rod puts out front every time he's talking about it. <laughs> Nothing changes from his game. Right. And that's a maturity point for a guy like Seth Jarvis to do it day in and day out. And then from the maturity standpoint, you know, look, he's still a very young man. Bill Bernison is going to give him a ton of things to go away with and work on throughout the season and through the summer to continue to gain muscle mass and strength to battle in those corners when you're going in there against a Roman Yossi or an Ekholm that you're going to need a little bit more beef uh, to make sure you can get away and hold on to that puck and continue to make those plays. So it is all part of the process. I love what Rod said the other day is, is why rush a young guy? Why rush him into a situation before he is completely ready. And, you know, a tough situation for Seth because he's going to have to go back and play junior. But like Maniscalco and I talked the other day on our podcast, that you know, there are things at that level that he can continue to do. And one of those is becoming a great leader inside a locker room and continue to dominate day in and day out. Do you think there's any in the back of their mind thought of, you know, we can bring him you know, keep him here for another nine or ten games. Uh, maybe, uh, maybe give him a game here or there. Or do you ha- simply have to do the right thing by him and send him back to Portland for the whole year? No, I mean I don't mind. I think that's in the minds of the coaching staff and the management of um, you know does keeping him here again. You're going to weigh the pros and cons. Does keeping him here to maybe play one or two, or, or does he play any in those nine games that he's here? Um, help him and continue to learn the hurricane hockey way of practicing and playing with these guys before you go back. I don't think there's a rush. You have to get him back to Portland for the first game of the season in the Western Hockey League. Um, so I think you're going to weigh out those options on how much more can we drive into this young man before having to make that ultimate decision on what they do with and the other thing is you have to weigh this. And as uh, as I'm thinking about, man, it would be great to just see him play uh, the Hurricanes, as a team in an incredibly competitive division, uh, it's a risk to run a, a 19-year-old guy out there, maybe not in a, a role that he can succeed in. 
uh, that also jeopardizes your chances of winning. And you owe it to the team that you've built, which, and we're going to talk about this before we're done here, uh, which has every chance, I think, to contend for the division uh, and contend into the summer. You owe that team a chance to win now and jeopardizing even a couple of games, a couple of points. Uh, it's probably not well, uh, no not question. the best thing, right? Yeah, there's no question. I think there's not a team out there that's going to say, well, you can lose the playoffs in the first 10 games. But you can make a serious dent in positioning yourself with a very strong start. If you can come out of the gates and go 8-2, and 7-3, and three, you put yourself in a much better position than, as you said, putting some things at risk. Do I, would I say it's a high risk to put Seth Jarvis in the lineup? No. But again, you don't want to put that young man in a position or you get in a situation where you know all these games are going to be tight, just like we saw here tonight. The NHL is so close each and every night, no matter who you're playing. And if he's just sitting on the bench, what benefit is that doing him and playing three minutes or four right. minutes and not getting the power play time? That's not benefiting him as a young player and development. Yeah, there wasn't a ton of power play time tonight, but he was uh, he was in one of those units, uh, which was good to see. And I want to talk real quick about uh, the center on his line, Jack Drury, who I believe drove the best line in the preseason opener against Tampa, playing with Stefan Nason and Jamison Reese. Uh, and Drury is somebody a little bit older, played with men last year in Sweden. Uh, he's not going to make this team more than likely, but, I mean, he could be the first center call-up if they need one. Yeah, and I think we go back to talking about how important that position is, and the Hurricanes now have another guy that can separate in that lineup because he has, as you said, proven through these exhibition games that he can play at this level. Um, does he fit in your top six? Maybe not, but in the third-line centerman position, you know, I think he's a guy that with his skill and he's going to create chances, but another guy that reminds me so much of a young Jordan Stahl who can learn the defensive side of the game, play the right way, learn to kill penalties because he plays hard. Um, he's not afraid to get in front of shots and block them and play that strong style game up the middle. So he definitely has set himself in a very good position, as you mentioned. And this season goes on, a very long, grueling season that if someone is needed, uh, Jack Drury is definitely ready to go. Shane Willis is with us here. On the, it's not really a morning after podcast today. It's a Canes Corner podcast. Uh, I promised there wouldn't be a morning after podcast basically until we started the season. Uh, let's talk about the guy they stole from Montreal for $6.1 million. Uh, Jesperi Kotkaniemi. Um, we've, we've seen him now in two games. He is certainly a creative, talented player. Uh, how does he fit into what Carolina is looking for? What have you seen from him so far? Well, I loved his goal in that first game. You saw immediately the upside and offensive ability with his release on what he can do there. I think coming in and the Hurricanes know all of that, and that's why they wanted to get him. And what he will learn immediately from this team and Rod Burnamore is that daily grind to play that same way. He reminds me so much of a young Sebastian Ajo who continued to mature and learn all those ways and why he's that elite-level player now, killing penalties and playing in every situation. To me, that is what is getting pushed and taught to Kokaniami day in and day out. This is the way we play. This is the way we play over and over. This, this is the way that you're going to create those offensive chances. So when you get those, that's when you're going to score. But it's going to be from playing this way, not trying to take that shortcut 
or that reach or cheat the angle to create that offensive chance. Do it right time after time, and that is how this team is built to win. Um, and I think that's just a matter of time before he really starts clicking on a line that we, you know, we haven't seen all the lines put together. I don't think where <laughs> Rod says, this is what I love yet. Right. But I think when he finally settles in and finds that chemistry um, with one of these centermen, you'll see this young man take off. Rod's always trying to find a line other than Aho, Svechnikov, and Teravainen, even though we know he's going <laughs> to, he'll eventually get back to it, right? It's hard to turn away from that. <laughs> it really is. It's so funny. I went to the first, uh, the first, uh, you know, training camp practice, and I, I I looked at the lines, and I just knew how the fans would react. So I tweeted them out just <laughs> just to just to bug them. But it's it's just so typical. He always he always gets back to it, and because basically he says, "Look, I know it works, so it's always it's always there in my back pocket if we need it." And he'll yeah. probably put it together for a month here and there, and then maybe when we get to the playoffs, we'll see it again. But uh, he likes to tinker. Well, those are things. Those are things too that yes, that line works, and it's just a matter of time before any line really. I think to me, when I look around the league, really besides the you know Bergeron, Marchand, Pasternak line, there's not many that stay together for the entire year, right? Or really their entire career. I mean, that line plays together every night, no matter what. But you're going to have little sways with lines, a little you know lack of chemistry or whatever, and you're going to switch things up to see if you can light a fire somewhere else. And, I think that's the best thing about how deep now the Hurricanes are. You have so many offensive weapons that you don't know what's going to click on each and every night. But when you get hot, you're going to ride that wave as long as you can. And then you might have to switch things up. But you have so many great options on this team. Right, let me get a couple of quick things before uh, before I let you go. Uh, Tony D'Angelo played with Jacob Slavin tonight. Uh, I, think, I know we saw in practice Ethan Bear skating with Jacob Slavin. Uh, what... what what do you like better? I'll put you in the uh, in the in the head coach's seat or Tim Gleason's seat, the new uh, guy who will handle the defense. Uh, who's a better fit with with Slavin, or does it matter? I don't I don't know if it matters because I think you see the Shea and Pesci combination is going to stay locked together. They play so very well together. Um, what they do out there, so I think whether you're flipping Bear and D'Angelo back and forth. A guy like Ian Cole or Smith coming into the lineup, you always have the righty-lefty situation. I think they really fit either way. That first game, D'Angelo played with uh, Cole, and I thought it was a very good pairing as well. Yep. I think Ian Cole is that defensive-minded guy like Jacob is, so it frees up D'Angelo to continue to find that open space in that offense. And We knew the same thing when Dougie Hamilton came. We knew how much offense he had. But you have to learn the system and realize where those spots are because it is a high-paced, hard system, I think, for defensemen to really jump right into. And we see D'Angelo finding those things and he'll start clipping along on the power play when it settles in. But to me, you can't go wrong. Again, you have seven guys right now on the defensive end that, you know, Tim Gleason has to be happy because he's, to me, you can't really make a wrong decision with how these guys are doing and the way they're all playing right now. Yeah, and and it leads me into when I look at where I think this team is better than they were a year ago. And obviously, it's hard to argue with having what the third best record in the NHL. Albeit, we all agree it's kind. Of, it was just a weird year. We we shouldn't put too much stock into it. Um, I just think that they have way more NHL quality depth 
on the NHL roster and even in the a on the AHL roster. Some of the guys that are going to be playing in uh, in Chicago, like Stefan Nason. I mean, he's an NHL player who's going to be playing in the in the AHL. I just think they're deeper. Uh, is 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 that the in what ways do you think this team might be better? Yeah, and start right there. I've loved that player through camp as well, Stephen yeah. Mason. You know, not a young guy. The guy's been around. But what I really like about the young players who are headed to Chicago is that it's the Hurricanes group as a whole. I can tell you from playing on a team that split as they did last year, it's difficult, right? You had a couple different systems. You have different players. Do they really gel together as one? And I think Ryan Worsofsky and, and Pat Dwyer in Chicago will have an outstanding year with the group they have and the talent they have in Chicago. But I couldn't agree with you more with when you look at this NHL roster with their depth, uh, their experience they have, uh, adding a guy, a guy like Ian Cole who I just talked about who's won a Stanley Cup mm-hmm. um, and who talks every day of, like, if you're not trying to win the Stanley Cup, why are you playing? <laughs> um, and to me, the biggest thing, not only do you add scoring up front, because as an offensive guy, to me, that's, if you're losing games, you're not scoring enough. You can't hold teams to zero every single night. Right. So I think I love the added scoring up front. I think Marty Natchez is going to take another step forward as well. I think Svechnikov is going to play totally different this year and a little bit more relaxed mode that that contract in his mind is, is now gone. He's here for eight years. He's ready to roll. Let's get things going. And you add all those players as what you had up front, you're better. Then on the defensive end, when you looked at the Tampa series to me they were just bigger and stronger defensively than we were for all six players yeah but the Hurricanes have addressed that when you bring in Ethan Bear Ian Cole Smith and D'Angelo you now have that spark that physicality to make it harder for teams in your defensive zone I think that's what really Tampa did in the end to our forwards. they made it very hard in the corners on our forwards, and now the Hurricanes have that ability to really grind teams and physically match them in the defensive zone to make it a very tough night to score goals against them. Yeah, and uh, we just need the the same year that we just had out of Jordan Stahl, uh, a Vincent Trocheck in a contract year that hopefully he'll be motivated to. I think he wants to stay based on uh, every conversation I've ever had with uh, with Vincent Trocheck. Uh, there is depth all yeah. over the place. There's speed. Uh, they should be able and to score get, goals. And, get an, and then getting another 20 of the Nito Niederreiter, the Swiss Missile. I mean, <laughs> he looks good so far again. And, you know, the Canes wouldn't have gotten to where they were last year without that year Nito Niederreiter had as well. So if he and Jordan Stahl, like you said, and Vincent Trocek, who I think is a very underrated talent, get things rolling like he did early on the power play. Um, again, the scoring power is now there, and they've added more of it. So uh, this team is very dangerous on paper, and now it's just a matter of going out, getting that chemistry rolling, and really getting it going on night one against arguably the toughest team in the Metro Division, the New York Islanders. Yeah, if um, in Carolina, the Islanders, I mean, I think Philadelphia is going to uh, have a bounce back year, and they can't. They were just so bad last year. They're not going to be as bad. I think Philly's going to be good. I think Washington's going to be good. Man, the Metro's loaded. There's only one team in the Metro that I don't think is going to be all that great, and they're going to be tough to play against anyway, and that's Columbus. Yeah, that's one of those teams that they've always played the Hurricanes. Yeah. And you know they're going to play hard, a change behind the bench, but I can tell you from playing against and alongside Brad Larson uh, through our junior careers, 
that he's going to drive them. He is all about hard work and passion, and he's going to get that team going. And to me, Columbus is a team that is going to rely on Patrick Laine. Does he buy in and get going? Because they have the goaltending. We saw that yep. last year to steal games, and there's not really a team in the Metro that you can look past at any given night because uh, it can come back to haunt you. And I agree with you on those other teams. Philly's made some great moves defensively to try and fix that. Um, Washington can always score. Will they get the goaltending to carry them out? And then can Pittsburgh hang around without their best two players in the lineup to start the season? That's going to be the big question for the Penguins. I mean, the, the Penguins have proven that they're just the Penguins. They just figure out a way to win. Um, and so I'm un, until further notice, I'm just going to assume Pittsburgh's going to be tough to beat. Shane Willis, <laughs> hopefully they're be tight. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's it's what it's going to be. I mean. Uh, I, I don't think anybody's going to run away and hide in this division, so uh, might as well hit the ground running, or as I say in hockey, hit the ice skating on October 14th, that Thursday. I'll see you at PNC Arena, sir. Thank you so much. I'll be there, and I can't wait to see 18,000 Screaming Caniacs uh, uh, lifting that roof off on opening night once again. So the other day, Alec, I went to my first Hurricanes practice i went to the first practice of training camp uh and i walked down the aisle that i normally walk down to when i go to practice and everything was great until it hit me for the first time ever my friend john forza would not be sitting in the seats behind the hurricanes bench he is now the voice of the seattle kraken i would like to say i was the only one that uh had those pangs of uh of of FOMO missing you, uh, but I wasn't. Talked to a bunch of people. We all felt the same way. This is nothing against the current regime, but we miss John Forsland. How are you, sir? I'm well, buddy. Good to hear your voice. Um, I was hoping that maybe they could put one of those cardboard cutouts <laughs> together um, and put me there, but then I realized I missed the boat on that one, too. I was, yeah. already, <laughs> I, was, I was already gone for the cardboard cutouts, but anyway, I appreciate you saying that, and for me to say that uh, you know what? It was different for me, too. I, I'd be lying. And uh, a little bit of me is, uh, you know, obviously my family's still there. Yep. But, um, you know, a big part of me is there, too. Well, uh, appreciate it. In your honor, we made fun of everything that was going on on the ice, uh, you know, in good-natured way. Obviously, we, you know, we have great affection for this team here. But uh, we made fun of everything because you are, um, among other things, a fountain of knowledge about the sport – but also, uh, you know, all of these things is like mystery science theater when you're watching uh, practice. I mean, it's just practice. We're not going to glean too much out of it, but it was uh, it was fun to be there. But uh, we did miss you. Let's talk about Hurricanes West, shall we? Uh, Morgan, Morgan Geeky looks like a good player. How you know what? Are, what are your thoughts of him and Hayden Fleury and our old friend Ron Francis? Well, everybody's doing well. Um, you know, Ron's, Ron's doing an exceptional job in what he's put together here um, in this division, the Pacific Division. I think they have realistic hope of, of being in and around a playoff spot at the end of the season. So that's, you know, that's good. Of course, the, the bar is very high because of what the Vegas Golden Knights <laughs> did four years ago in year right. number one by going all the way to the Stanley Cup final. To me, that's, that was uh, a nice little story and a perfect storm that came together. I'm not 100% sure that can be duplicated, but, but who knows? Um, there's a lot of momentum, a lot of energy surrounding this team in this market, which has been really refreshing and energizing to see. 
Uh, Morgan Geeky Adam has uh, played himself into a spot, I believe. He's he's been on a line most of this training camp with Ryan Donato and Jonas Donskoy, who mm-hmm. scored 17 goals with Colorado last year, and they've been very very effective. And 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 Morgan had a couple of goals in the first preseason game, and including the winning goal in that game in Spokane a week ago Sunday. And um, Hayden Flurry is is in a in a dogfight for a position. I mean, it looks like he's got the inside track on the number six spot on the back end. Uh, but he's 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 battling guys like Jeremy Lozon, who played in Boston last yep. year, and Dennis Chalosky, who's with Detroit. Um, you know, those three guys really. And there's another kid, Will Borgen, who played briefly with Buffalo. He's the outlier. Um, I think they're going to keep eight defensemen here, so he'll he'll, he'll make it. Um, but there'll be some internal competition for you know third pairing and all of that. But um, but he's he's looked good. I mean, it's just uh, another chance for a, a lot of these guys to kind of repurpose their careers, and that's what an expansion team is all about. Yeah, Ron Francis drafted uh, both of those players yeah. twice. <laughs> uh, once when he was uh, running the Canes, and the other time in the expansion draft, John Forsen, voice of the Seattle Kraken, uh, is joining us. And can, to just to continue. The taste of North Carolina. You're working with uh, J.T. Brown, uh, Wolfpack yeah. running back legend Ted Brown's son, who just retired not that long ago. I think he played last year. Uh, what's it? What's it like breaking? You've worked with a lot of different partners, not just Trip, but all all the guys you worked at at the network level. How's J.T. working? Yeah. Out? I love this guy. He's a, first of all, he's a he's a great person. And, uh, you know, one of his best friends is Justin Falk, right? They grew up together. Oh, wow. Right. And uh, they're, they're, a matter of fact, JT was um, just at uh, Falker's wedding a few weeks ago. Um, but he is a remarkable guy. Um, he, uh, Jake Gardner's dad, John, coached him as a young boy in youth hockey. Mm-hmm. So I got some intel on him there. Um, he's from High Point. He lived in High Point, uh, his dad's hometown, for, for a couple of years. Um, keeps an eye on the Wolfpack because of his dad's uh, career there, legendary career. But then, of course, moved to Minnesota because his dad played for the Vikings, was reared there and fell in love with hockey. And a lot like Seth Jones and his brother Caleb, uh, who were born into a basketball family, he was born into a football family but loved hockey and wanted to be a pro hockey player and had to work at it and never was drafted. Um, made his made his name in the league the hard way as an undrafted player, a national championship at Minnesota Duluth. Played in the Stanley Cup final with the Tampa Bay Lightning. Most importantly, here he's really worked hard at trying to become good in a hurry. At being an analyst at this level, it's not easy. Uh, we did about ten rehearsals over the course of the summer. We've done every preseason game, um, and so by the time we hit the ground running in Nashville on the 14th, he'll probably have you know those ten rehearsals. He'll have six live games under his belt. So um, our chemistry is coming together, and uh, you know you've got this. Uh, Let's just say a seasoned guy, you know, working with a rookie here. And uh, I hope we become a really good team. I think we will. John Forsland, my money's on you and JT Brown coming together as a group. Uh, the uh, voice of the Seattle crack and John Forsland. All right, real, uh, real quick, because you had mentioned the, uh, how the, the community is coming together here. First of all, if I heard this correctly, listening to Elliot Friedman in the now 32, not 31, Thoughts podcast, that the NHL believes that because of the interest in the Seattle Kraken and their merchandise, that they believe they're going to get back to 
pre-pandemic economic levels simply yeah. based on merchandise sold. First of all, yeah. is there uh, is there anything out there that that's left that that Alec and I can get? Because uh, yeah, I think I, everything's I can, sold uh, out. Yeah, I can I can secure <laughs> some of that stuff for you at a price, of course. Well, of course, um, no, it's absolutely. Of course, um, well, I'll just throw a number at you, and this is going to knock uh, your socks off and the listeners, I'm sure. Last Sunday, <clears throat> they, the uh, Kraken are playing or did play three preseason games in junior ranks in Washington because the big building is not ready yet, and so they played in Spokane, Everett, the home of the Silver Tips. Uh, Kent, which is the home of the Seattle Thunderbirds, the Western Hockey League, and now in Spokane kicked it off. And Spokane's five hours um, east mm-hmm. of Seattle, as you know. And so uh, at that game, at that one game, the Kraken sold $900,000 worth of merchandise <laughs> at the game. Okay? I mean, it's absolutely insane. We did five days of a jersey launch here in the practice facility, which is which is unbelievably beautiful. Right. Um, and the jerseys broke every single jersey launch record the National Hockey League's ever had. And Vegas set the bar a few years ago. Um, hot team, hot colors, blah sure. blah blah. This this thing here is just blowing it right out of the water. So, um, you know, you got to perform. You got to earn the respect of the fans and everything else once they start to play for real. But the buildup has been sensational. The colors are great. The name is striking. Yeah. Everything they've done so far, of course, I'm really, really biased here, right? Sure. But everything they've been able to do so far messaging-wise and all these different things, it's, it's been impactful. So it's, it's nice to be part of it. So I'm watching uh, a show on uh, Golf Channel, something about the Champions Tour, and they're doing an interview with Fred Couples, and Fred Couples is wearing a Seattle Kraken hat. That's <laughs> Like have have I don't know if he's uh, I mean he he must be a fan he is a Seattle guy, uh, so I'm sure he spends at least some time out there. Well, so has uh, yeah. has he been around? No, he hasn't been around, but I, but I've heard that. And also, Grey's Anatomy had their debut, I guess, last week. Okay, something like that. I don't watch the show, but <laughs> uh, apparently there was a Kraken hat on one of the stars of of that show. Um, and of course, you know what that that is probably there's a link there because one of the co-owners of the team is Jerry Bruckheimer, the world-renowned sure. film producer, right? And he loves – he was at the game the other night in, uh, in Everett. Uh, he just – you know, he loves hockey, always yeah. has. He's been dying to, to own a team, and now he, his dream has come true. So that's probably how that happened. But anyway, um, I, I just think, you know, number one, what you have to have here is something that looks good, right? And mm-hmm. the color scheme really, Great. really jumps you've seen these uniforms wait they're just they're absolutely spectacular um so um good on them for doing that and uh we'll just continue to try not to tarnish it along the way i'll do (laughs) do my best uh sorry about the mariners uh they uh they fell a game short but your red sox i'm i'm sure you're not aware because once the hockey season starts you're completely immersed in hockey the red sox and the yankees will play the wild card game tomorrow night yeah you you think i'm not aware of this i mean (laughs) I was locked in yesterday. I had the Mariners on my TV. I had the uh, Red Sox on my phone, uh, pitch for pitch, watching everything. And, um, yeah, and it's been, you know, I went to a Mariners game in July. They had me out there. It was beautiful. Great ballpark. And I know a lot of the people, our network covers the games, great people and all this. Um, But it's been real hard 
to uh, talk about them, knowing that my team <laughs> might knock them out, and it did happen. But we got to keep that quiet. Yeah, right, well, just uh, keep going. Also, the Chiefs are back to five hundred. They had a big, uh, big yeah. win over the Eagles yeah. <laughs> yesterday. Yeah. I'm trying to keep you up to date. Do you like West Coast yeah. time? The, uh, the West Coast is great because I can, I can, uh, I can get my sleep right. So that's. Uh, <laughs> That's a good thing. So I can watch every game in creation once the season starts, and, and still be to bed at a reasonable hour. So that, that stage of life, this is a this is a good thing. But I also have my eye on everything out east. I'm I'm watching closely and uh, keeping my eye on uh, that team there. I still, you know, still got a fondness, obviously. So I. I uh, cheer for a lot of those players. I hope they have a great year. Uh, I do as well. Um, look, I know Dom Lachizan for the Athletic did his projections. And he has the Hurricanes at 22 points uh, shy of last year. Uh, and uh-huh. when you read it, he still has them uh, getting to 95 points, which I think is a little low, but regardless. Uh, but basically, last year was such a fallacy because he had him at 117-point pace last yeah. year. And we all know that last year was just odd. And to put any stock in last year is sort of silly, but... Uh, I mean, look, I, I think you can make an argument that this team is better than it was a year ago, but, if, you know, obviously a few things have to go right. Well, they change a lot, and that's the only thing I'll say about it from as an outsider yeah. now is that, you know, they changed a lot of personnel, which is kind of unusual for a team that did what they did. But, you know, there's contractual reasons and there's other reasons. Um, some of the names are intriguing, um, but it's all got to it's all got to come together. There should be no reason why they they don't make the playoffs. They're going to have to match expectations, which is kind of getting a little bit um, different yeah. for the Hurricanes. And I think it's go time because you know you're you're really in the prime now of the Slavens and Pesci's and yeah. Ajos and Teravine and you know especially. I mean, you, you've got uh, um, the window's still open, but the window will start to close, and um, they got to make good. They, they have to be a, they got to get into the second, third round this year. I would, I would expect, but it's not going to be easy. And I agree with you. I think last year kind of uh, is, is fool's gold for a lot of teams. They're not alone yeah. it's for a lot of teams, fool's gold because of the divisional schedule, which we talked about last season. Yeah. Look, I, I think the window has three more years in it because the, yeah. the window uh, kind of marries with the end of Ajo, Teravon, and uh, Slavens. All those contracts come due in uh, in three years. So to me, that's the that's the window. The window will always be open for John Forsland here. Keep my seat open at practice, okay? I we're we're gonna put like a like a, a I don't know like a glass enclosure around it. And you should know that out here during the first uh, split squad scrim- scrimmage, I started going with it the media around me and they had no idea what what was happening and they were oh man they now they get it so nothing's changed out here adam but look forward to seeing you at some point you're the best john i appreciate your time hey buddy take care thank you thanks to my friend john forsland gosh it's great to hear his voice Uh, and thanks to shane willis and thanks to you it's the aluminum company of north carolina's canes corner podcast that's right Thanks to the Aluminum Company of North Carolina at Aluminum Company online at onlinealuminumcompany.com. Free, no obligation estimate there. Again, if it's for the exterior of your home, it's the biggest investment you make in your entire life. Nothing bigger than your home. Take care of it. Let the Aluminum Company help you out. 
until we talk again, which will be several times between now and the opener on October 14th. It's the Canes Corner Podcast. I'm Adam Gold. See ya. This has been the Canes Corner Podcast with Adam Gold, presented by the Aluminum Company of North Carolina. You can listen to this podcast at WRALsportsband.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Are you unhappy with your CPAP provider? Did you know you can easily switch providers right now? I'm Megan Giggling, General Manager of Parkway Sleep Health Centers. We are North Carolina's number one source for CPAP machines and supplies. Contact us today. We ship anywhere in North Carolina. If you're in need of a CPAP machine, supplies, a knowledgeable doctor, or a sleep study, Parkway has you covered. For information or to schedule an appointment, visit parkwaysleep.com. Sound sleep, sound health.